patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And our text this morning is, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So as I mentioned last week, we tackled the subject of worry and anxiety in the Christian life. And today, we're going to talk about thanksgiving. Our text this morning states emphatically, in everything, give thanks. No exceptions, no excuses, at least that's the way I read it. And I'm sure you'd agree with me when I say that's a tall order for most of us. Because the attitude of thanksgiving, I would suggest, doesn't come easy to our broken and sinful human condition. And especially in our present day situation with all that's going on in the world today, with all the restrictions and the warnings, the frustrations, I've met a lot of people that are walking around in a sour mood. A recent poll in the U.S. found that over 70% of Americans that were asked stated that they would rather be doing something else than reflect on what they were thankful for. And some even suggested that they'd rather stay home and play on their cell phones or tablets or watch TV because that would be more enjoyable. Others said that these times were way too stressful to be able to or to think about giving thanks. Now some of you might have wondered why I included and read from Romans 1 this morning as part of our text and how it fits with the theme of thanksgiving. And I'll confess I was drawn to it as I realized that it might help our discussion this morning on the topic. Why? Because of the opposite picture it presents to you and I. Romans 1 is clear that in possessing an unthankful and an ungrateful and a godless attitude towards life, you could say it's one of the distinguishing marks of the unconverted the rebellious heart of a natural man. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. In other words, the man without the Spirit is what I would call the natural man. In verse 21, Paul writes, in verse 21 of Romans 1, Paul writes, They knew God, through the visual evidence that was around them. And he says he points out that even though they knew in their hearts that God exists, they did not honor him or give thanks. Did you hear that? They did not honor him or give thanks. And some of you might be thinking, but I know people 
who don't confess to be Christians, and they seem to be quite thankful. They seem to have a pretty upbeat attitude about life. Well, let's look at some of the scenarios where natural man might fit into that. First of all, I would suggest that there are those who live life thinking that things happen as a result of luck, good fortune, or chance. That circumstances and events fall a certain way and no one has any control over them. That's a pretty shaky way to navigate through your life. And the problem with that is when things don't happen the way you hope they might, you could say that luck didn't go your way, it can lead and open the way to complaining and bitterness and anger and life can become very miserable. It's difficult to be thankful in those situations. And when those type of people do give thanks, where do they go? And who do they give thanks to? I mean, I know some of them, and I've heard the comment that says, well, you know what, luck was going my way. Or I fell on good fortune. And then there's the natural man that you could call the fatalist. They believe that there's some force out there, that circumstances and events are preset, they're predetermined. They're inevitable and they're unchangeable. You and I are predestined to get what we receive. It's destiny, they say. Don't argue with it. But again, when good things come your way in those situations, who or what are you going to give thanks to? And what happens in those type of personalities is they usually create their own version of God, whether it's a force or karma or a higher being. That's what Romans talks about when it says they exchange the glory of God for different idols. And then there are what I call the positive thinkers. I also call them the total control people. They're the take charge people. They're usually quite upbeat about life. You've probably met them before. They might be even quite successful. They like challenges in their life. And usually their lives are pretty smooth sailing. And if their life experiences goes quite well for them, they attribute it to their own attitude and their own skill. In other words, everything good that's happened to them, they've done it. They've arranged it, they planned it, they made it happen, and they pulled it off. All the credit goes to them and their abilities. And in fairness to them, when things don't go well, they do take a measure of responsibility for not making it happen. But there's no God in the picture, no one outside of their own ego and person. They would argue if you don't tackle it right, it won't happen. It's almost like those people that say you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've probably heard the comment, and even if an illness befalls them, they're going to beat that thing, whatever that thing is. And I'm sure we could list other types of personalities that fit into that category. So in preparing for this message this morning, 
I will confess Romans 1 really hit me. Because I felt that God is telling you and I that one of the core signs of the unconverted person, the natural man, is that they refuse to acknowledge God. That's number one. But the second one is they're not thankful. And at the same time, there's an obvious contrast presented to us from the scriptures between that non-Christian, that natural man, and the Christian. Because did you hear what we read in Romans 1? For the rebellious, the unconverted, the natural man, it says they did not honor him as God or give thanks. And when I read those words, it suggests to me that the opposite should be true for a Christian. That thanksgiving should be at the core of our Christian living and our attitude. And so here comes the challenge to us this morning. I confess to be a Christian, as do most of you probably this morning, yet I also have to confess that I'm not always very thankful. Thanksgiving doesn't always flow from my heart or my mouth, certainly not in all circumstances. That's for me. I don't know how it is for you. Do you find it easy to be thankful in all circumstances? And yet, I would suggest that today you take some time to browse through the New Testament and see how often God calls us, commands the believer to give thanks and to be thankful. And yet, we know also from scriptures that our loving God and Father knows that you and I, while still here on earth, would struggle with that sin of ingratitude and ungratefulness. God knows that there will be things that come across our path, there will be challenges and trials that really will test us to be able to give thanks in all circumstances. You see, for the non-converted person in Romans 1, to be ungrateful and unthankful, I'm suggesting, would be normal. In other words, it's the core of their being. But for a Christian to walk constantly with an unthankful and an ungrateful spirit should be abnormal. When we become a Christian, it's clear God gives us a new heart. He revives our soul, a new inner life filled with his Holy Spirit. And with that should create in us a new nature and a new person full of thankfulness. But God also knows that the struggle will continue to be there between the old man, the natural man, and the new man in Christ. And it would be a daily battle for us while we're still here on earth. But I'm suggesting there are a couple things that we can learn this morning from Romans 1 to help us to walk in a life of thankfulness. The first one is, I've called it key number one, 
is the person of our thanksgiving and praise. Romans 1.21 said, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. The passage implies that they refused to acknowledge that God was God. They would not give God credit for anything in their lives. It goes on in Romans to say that they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for human images and idols. In other words, it's the age-old problem. Bringing God down to a manageable level where we feel more comfortable. And eventually replace God with our own model of God, our own design of God, who we think God should be, and eventually distant from the God of the scriptures. You see, the rebellious, the non-believer, the natural man bases any type of thanksgiving on the natural, material world. It all hinges for him or her on what happens here on earth. And God knows mankind's heart, our hearts, because he knew it could happen to his own people. Listen to what he did, the instructions and warnings that God left his people in Deuteronomy 8. After the nation of Israel has entered the promised land, verse 10, God says to them, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. And then the warning continues. He says, because this might happen. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build your fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. And there's the key. And then you will boast, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. In other words, I got all this, I accomplished all of this with my own hard work, my own planning, my own skill, my own intelligence. And then the outcome is, God is saying, they forget all about me, the giver of all good things. And God knew that the nation of Israel would struggle with this, but he also knows that you and I will struggle with this. And I trust that you and I can see how this passage can certainly apply to our modern-day culture and the time and history that we live in. Because we have built our bigger houses. Our flocks have gotten bigger. Our silver and gold has increased. And everything has multiplied. And we need to be careful where and who we give thanks to and how we give thanks. And for the Christian, it's not always about forgetting about the Lord because we know he exists. But it's more about forgetting who he is and his character, diminishing his being, reducing his importance in our lives, ignoring or losing sight of the fact that God created everything, that he gives life and breath to all mankind. 
that he's numbered our days, that his sovereign and eternal power and divine nature that Romans 1 talks about is evident. His holiness, his perfection, and ultimately not giving glory, him the glory due his name, and especially his providential care. You and I confess that nothing touches our lives without the Father's knowledge. And when expressing thankfulness, and here's the big key one, our focus needs to be on the giver, not the gifts. Hear me now. Focus on the giver, not the gifts. But I'm not saying the gifts are evil and that we shouldn't be thankful for them. But that's not where the focus should be. Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 verse 4 reminds us that for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if received with thanksgiving and praise. It's interesting. Even Jesus, when he was feeding the 5,000 in Luke 9 with five loaves of bread and two fish, if you read Luke 9 verse 16, this is what it says. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the bread. Jesus, the first thing he did was he gave thanks. He pointed to heaven, to the throne of the only God of the universe, and he gave thanks. And the Psalms are full of giving direction to where our focus of praise and thanksgiving should be. Psalm 95, verse 2, it says, Let us come before him with thanksgiving. The the implication there is in the heavens, before his throne, and extol him with music and song, for the Lord is the great God. We read this morning in our call to worship, Psalm 100, verse 4, where are we called to go? It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving in his courts, with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I trust that you can see where the focus is in this example of giving thanks. And we need to strive and exalt and glorify God to focus on him rather than worry about bringing things down to our level. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And now I've called this key number 2.1, because there's two inside of one. And that's the priority of our thanksgiving and praise. And this could have and should have two applications, because I think both are important. The first priority is the spiritual practice and benefit to start our day with thanksgiving and prayer to our Heavenly Father. We especially need the prayer part to nurture our spirit-driven hearts to give thanks. As we will find ourselves in the midst of trials and tribulations that may make it a challenge to give thanks in all circumstances. We need the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit to enable us to grow through those times, as difficult as it may be. 
And at the same time, we need to be reminded by Scripture, such as Romans 8, that reminds us that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Those words can serve as a great source of encouragement and keep us and move us to a thankful spirit. You know, just as a sidebar, even sociological studies have indicated that people that walk with a thankful and a grateful and a gratitude-filled spirit tend to show better psychological and physical benefits in their lives. Even as simple as their sleep patterns, their physical and mental health. But more importantly to us this morning, theologians have suggested that walking with a thankful spirit can serve as a gateway for us to enjoy even greater spiritual blessings and growth in our relationship to God. I mean, there must be a spiritual connection between giving thanks, spiritual growth, and the ability to walk in God's peace while struggling through personal challenges. As Christians, we should never underestimate the effect that thanksgiving and praise can have on our spiritual journey here on earth and our relationship with the living God. Even in the midst of going through tough and challenging times in our own personal lives. Daniel 6, verse 10, another great example. When Daniel had heard about the decree, you remember the decree that Nebuchadnezzar came down and he built this great big statue and he said, everybody, when you hear all the noise and the music, I want you to get on your knees and pray to the statue. And in Daniel 6, verse 10, it says, When Daniel had heard about the decree that he could not pray to any god unless to Nebuchadnezzar, it says he went home, he got down on his knees, and it says the first thing he did was he gave thanks to God. And it says, as he did every day. Philippians 4, verse 12 says, Not to worry, but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And Ephesians 5 continues that command to give thanks in all situations. As mentioned earlier, the New Testament is full of encouragement to the believer to give thanks, to continue to pray with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanksgiving is a powerful spiritual fabric of our new life in Jesus. So the first priority, key one, point one, is to start the day in thanksgiving, in prayer, as hard as it might be, and strive to do that on a daily basis. And key 2.2 is the second priority of our thanksgiving is the focus of our thanks. Now I realize we talked about the person But now I'm going to talk about the focus. You see, we can pray and give thanks for the many material, earthly blessings that we receive every day. There's nothing wrong with that. And we can teach our children to do, do that as well. But yet, Colossians 3 says, set our minds on things above. Why? 
Well, the, the passage goes on and it says, because you died to sin and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You see, we're, the passage is talking about the gift of salvation. That's why the Passover event became the central event for the Israelites in the Old Testament. Because it was a reminder of being set free from the slavery and bondage in Egypt. But God consistently reminded them to give thanks for that freedom that they had achieved through his hand. And Jesus came and died on the cross at the Passover feast, thus freeing all repentant sinners from their guilt and sin and bondage as well. You see, brothers and sisters, I'm talking about the big divide here. This is the separating point between the Christian and the natural man that we read about in Romans 1. You see, the rebellious, the unrepentant sinner in Romans 1, that earthly natural man, if they do give some form of thanks, it will always be focused and measured on the earthly benefits and on the earthly circumstances that they have experienced. Those same earthly benefits, those same earthly circumstances that you and I as Christians would also experience. But their worldly plane is where their minds and eyes are set. But you see, the spiritual man and woman, you and I, our priority of thanksgiving should be focused higher, should be focused on the gift of salvation, what Jesus has done for us on the cross and resurrection. This is a gift that only a true believer filled with the Holy Spirit can understand and give thanks for. A natural man will never give thanks for that. Only a Christian will. Only the spiritual man will see and understand in faith the gift of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. You see, we need to keep our eyes focused on the eternal the spiritual gift, the gift of eternal life, and not too much on the temporal and the material things of this world. The heavenly gift is eternal. Our inheritance is being kept for us, it says, in heaven and cannot be destroyed or removed. It won't fall away and decay. And if our focus stays only on the earthly and the temporal things, then the danger becomes and can become when things are not going well, when you and I are challenged with trials and tribulations in our lives, when we struggle and find life difficult, the challenge will be instead of being thankful, we can walk with an ungrateful and thankless spirit. And thus the new man in us won't be winning the spiritual battle. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 goes through a long list of events. If you read it, it's staggering. He talks about all the hardships that he went through. This is the same man who wrote about giving thanks in all circumstances. Go and read the list. And some of them he was going through things to the point of death. He'd gone hungry. He'd been beaten up several times, shipwrecked. And then he finishes it by 
confessing that he'd learned to be content in all circumstances. And I believe he would have said, and I was thankful as well. So priority one is to strive to start our day with thanksgiving in our conversation with God. And priority two is to strive to focus on those eternal gifts, the eternal gift of salvation in our thanksgiving. That should be our priority of thanksgiving. You know, the the text we read this morning is a challenge for all of us. We need to pray to the Holy Spirit to help us to walk through those things, to to be able to do what 1 Thessalonians 5 says, in everything, give thanks. And never forget that this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray it can become possible for every one of us that confesses to be a believer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, again, the, the power of your word, the reality of your word, the simpleness of your word, but also, Father, the challenge of your word. And help us, Lord, in the midst of this world that we walk in every day, that, to give us a spirit of praise and thankfulness unto you. For you, we know in our hearts that you are really the only place to go. And most of all, we thank you again for the gift of your son, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, And we pray that you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.